Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly roundup for the week ending 16th of September 2022. According to the Department for Education, the recent awards to employer representative bodies for the rollout of local skills improvement plans across England will place employers at the heart of local skills systems. In this week's Green Edge post, we look at some of the detail behind the LSIP awards. And Michael, there's some interesting stuff there. There is. uh, And in the post, we make use of two sets of data, that from the Local Government Association and the new Green Deal. But there's also a third set of data which we started to use, and that came from the Place-Based Climate Action Network run by the London School of Economics and Leeds University. Now, their piece of data looks at the numbers of jobs requiring upskilling because of net zero and those jobs in demand as a direct result of net zero. Now, if you look at those two groups of jobs in most areas, it represents about 20% of employment. Now, I just looked at recently the combined authorities across the UK and it ranges from about 18% in North Tyneside up to about 22% in West Yorkshire. Now, those numbers aren't spectacular in their own right, but what it does mean is, is about 20% of the labour market is going to be directly affected as a result of having to acquire skills related to achievement of net zero goals. And this gives you the feeling of the scale of what's going on. And we use that sort of data and also the LGA New Green Deal data to look at the differences between the new focus areas and also where we can see in the data where there should be focusing as well. Now, let's build on that little theme for a second. Uh, And we went through in some detail the Trailblazer Local Skills Improvement Plan for Sussex. Now, a number of uh, areas of the country were chosen to do trailblazers to try out the whole idea before they released the recent strategic development funds a few days ago. Now, the one in Sussex draws on some pretty pioneering work led by Kath Sleeman and her colleagues at Nesta to really develop their own taxonomy of skills and then apply it to the Sussex area. Now, our interest in that is what she started to merge around green skills specific to a sector, green skills that cut across those sectors, and then their documents, which we'll have on our report summary, a whole series of skills that come out of that. So it's quite a novel green skills analysis. And in the Sussex case, they generated a new report or an annex to their major report called Greener Sussex, where they identify five clusters of green skills that they have then deployed a series of colleges to drive the supply of. So I think there's a lot in that trailblazer. And our general viewers, I haven't read it, is that if that's a feeling or a taste of what's going on with other LSIPs, I think the green skills agenda will actually physically start moving forward in real terms. And we will no doubt look at the work being done in Sussex and with Nesta in future posts. Most certainly. I think it's a really important area for us to delve into. And a reminder that you can find this week's post at greenedge.substack.com. Now, the 28th of July this year was 2022's Earth Overshoot Day. 
This was the day by which all the world's people had used all the biological resources that the Earth will regenerate during 2022. And to coincide with Earth Overshoot Day, the World Economic Forum posted an interesting article saying that blockchain, which has come under a lot of stick for the amount of energy used by some of the cryptocurrencies it supports, could actually be a solution for investors in the voluntary carbon market. Now, the global carbon market rose over 160% in 2021 and is now an $850 billion industry, 90% of that being the EU's emission trading system. But only a tiny fraction of the world market, about $1 billion in fact, is open to individuals to voluntarily offset their carbon footprints and invest in the Earth's future. But blockchain technologies could change all that, and some people are claiming that blockchain is uniquely positioned to make the carbon markets more open to retail and institutional investors, and to solve some of the lack of transparency that has bugged the voluntary markets in the past. This week, the Green Edge talked to a new company called Sentry, that's spelled C-E-N-T-R-E-E, which is part of this new blockchain-enabled ecosystem. Sentry is making a voluntary carbon market based on, and get this, the ages of old trees. From his home office near Exeter, Peter Cork of Sentry told us how this will work. We're trying to build a new type of nature capital-backed financial product. What we're doing is we are purchasing the legal protection of at-risk forests, and we are turning those at-risk forests into protected forests that are then an investable asset. And because we've protected those forests, they then produce carbon offset credits on an annual basis, which we can then use to fund stewardship of the forest, as well as investor returns to those people who purchase our protected forest assets. So what we do is we look to purchase, not land, but we actually look to purchase extractive tenures or tree farm licenses that exist over existing forests and threaten these forests, which means we're taking truly at-risk forests. And then when we purchase those tree farm licenses, what we're looking to do is work with local governments to then retire the, the, the annual cut allowance that are linked to those areas. Peter explained to us how Sentry uses low-carbon blockchain technology to value and authenticate areas of old-growth forests and issue digital securities that combine ongoing carbon revenues with a new way of connecting a liquid market price to the age of a tree. We gather uh, all of the existing geospatial data for that forest. Uh, and because these forests are at-risk forests that are owned currently, the, the rights to extract are owned by lumber companies, we have a very high level of fidelity on data of the forest. So we get a, a really amazing digital twin of the forest. Um, but the truth is, from an ecological value point of view, not every hectare is the same. Um, and of course, when it comes to forest, we're particularly interested in creating a system that favorites or, or prioritize the protection of more mature primary forests that have such a massive ecological value. And the indexing method we use is uh, linked directly to tree age, hence our name, Sentry. Um, and each of the asset tokens that we're, we're going to be creating represents 100 years of tree life nominally. But what it means is it allows people to purchase our protected forest assets in centuries um, and therefore allows them to fractionally own protected forest 
in an amount directly related to the age of the forest, as opposed to the hectares or the size. So Sentry is looking to make old growth protection a new savings vehicle for investors, while providing income for the owners and stewards of the land, which in the case of the pilot project in British Columbia are the First Nation people. We're just in the process of launching our pilot project and we're going to be hopefully early into next year being able to offer people the opportunity to invest in that protected forest. We expect these initial assets through carbon offset sales to be delivering investor returns of 3 to 4%, and then hopefully that'll increase over time. But also we're raising money for the company itself that we're building. So if you're also an angel or an equity venture investor, and you're interested in the concept of what we're doing, we'd also love to hear from you. We're piloting in British Columbia with 7,500 hectares. We actually have line of sight of uh, hundreds of thousands of hectares that we can also protect with this method there, as well as then looking to scale it internationally to protect forests and nature indeed with this new kind of financial product. And if you're interested in what Sentry is doing, you can find its website at sentry.org and sign up for more information. Now we're getting into September and Michael, you're looking at the reports landscape and other things going on in the green world. And there's been an important announcement this week from McKinsey and Microsoft. Most certainly, yes, back on 12th September, Microsoft and McKinsey announced they were going to bring together the Microsoft Sustainability Manager along with the McKinsey's Catalyst Zero. And in essence, what this is going to do is provide data within a business to allow it to manage its own decarbonisation transition. And when you've got data, you have to have skills to drive that data and make use of it. And what will be interesting to see is how that cascades down the scale of corporate work, the corporate world. It's also very actively being used in a number of major businesses. But I think that announcement is really quite interesting when you've got two companies bringing their expertise together to try and crack this problem. And finally, on the 31st of May this year, we posted our congratulations to Her Majesty the Queen for 70 years of impeccable service to the people of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. And last week came the sad news of Queen Elizabeth's passing. So, on behalf of the Green Edge, we'd like to say thank you, Ma'am. We'll miss you. And our best wishes to King Charles, who we know takes the job ahead of creating a sustainable world very seriously. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.